Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. This is episode 86. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis, sitting in the captain's chair this time. Gentlemen, it's time for Heroes. And this is one of the biggies. I mean, we do we do lots of biggies around here. <coughs> but this, this one here is one that we've kind of... We've been talking about for a while, but we kind of said, let's do this one where it drops in January because of his birthday, and that's Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, You cannot be an American in this century and not know something of the legacy that he left behind. Uh, In many respects, he changed the world. Uh, And if you read his biography... If you spend much time with him at all, you recognize the world that he was born into was very much different from the world he left, which was itself more different than the world that it would be because of all that he did. You want to talk about legacy, this guy has that. And we really need to show him some discussion with regards to that. This is kind of one of those where we realize that to a degree our personal heroes maybe came up a little short. That we, we needed to to find some new inspirations into our lives. Well, he, he's always been an inspiration to us because the world he created is the world we were born into, mm-hmm. essentially. I mean, born in the mid-60s. Yeah. Uh, King was, I was three when he was assassinated. Uh, the, the world that I know, the world we've known, is post that. Yes. And I'm of the belief, and we'll kind of explore this as we go on, that the world he created was not necessarily made by his assassination, but I do think things happened uh, faster and differently because of that. Yeah, that's the unfortunate truth of certain things, and that is that sometimes you have more power as a martyr than you do as somebody who's alive. Which That's exactly right, and I'm sure that's that's something we can talk a little bit about as we yeah. go for, forward with him. Yeah, I mean, well, someone who isn't a martyr... We eventually dwell on the flaws. Yeah, and, and King had them. That's I mean, his life has been so well documented. My goodness, just about everything he ever did, ever uttered, ever yeah. said. Well, when the FBI spies record. on you. Well, that's part of it too. Uh, that that I'm glad you brought that up. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about his bio here, but to be honest, we can't do too much of that because it's too huge. Uh, we could go into every granular detail, and I just want to kind of pick and choose what we what we talk about here. He's born in 1929. I just want to kind of lay that out there. That's uh, he's uh, he's 16 when the war ends, so he didn't serve in World War II, but he's he he certainly knew of the things that were going on there. No, but he certainly came of age in the Depression. Very much so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that would have been a child of the Depression. That is exactly so, right. And, yeah, and um, that's going to form quite a bit because, yeah, as uh, is always the case, economic downturns disproportionately impact those who are already the worst off. Yeah, that's right. And blacks of his his time would have been yeah, absolutely at the bottom. Yeah, a, a southern black child during the Depression right. would have been somebody who had. I mean, you're talking about having nothing. Yeah, and it had zero. Well, and but surprisingly, his early life—he was born in Atlanta. He actually was from front four blacks in the South in that time. His parents were fairly well to do, believe it or not. Uh, his father was a minister, and his father was college educated. That was unheard of. Now it was you know it was a college you know it was a an HBC then. Well, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. That's right. But his, but he, but his father and his mother came from very poor backgrounds. Yeah. Very, they themselves were raised. So he's, 
he's there there's an upward mobility that he's born into that is better than the previous generation but still and i think that's what gave him the insight to recognize the injustice just a little bit keener than other people did uh and, and it's really well a, i know i i think that would i not to to jump on that in a negative way but i think that's a bad way to put it because i don't think there anybody that was in his peer group in other right. words yes. you know black adults children's whatever you want to call it in that time period that was not keenly aware of the no, well that's correct i don't mean to say that i don't mean to say recognize that's probably yeah. the wrong word uh but the, the ability because to he saw yes the difference between where his grandparents came from because mm-hmm. he would have been um uh you know deeply aware of that right where his parents were, which would have been relatively successful. They were, yes. Uh, as far as the black middle class of the time would be considered. Right. And still what the white population would have had, especially in terms of what he could do versus what they could not. I think that's the sort of thing, uh, Martin, as you talked about in the last episode, that chaos mm-hmm. that inspires the uh what was he called the dancing star the dancing star um the the chaos that drove him to want to change it for it for the better because when you see how things could be even a little different yeah it makes you want to see it even more so you know change even more it was absolutely huge uh some of some of these the events that happened to him and i'm not uh not going to go into all that because we'd be here all day um but he was keenly aware at several in several moments of his well-documented life. He even says that I hated the white man. I hated them. I wanted to destroy them all. But his father, and here's what's one of the things I love about King is because his relationship with his parents, uh, they were very formative to him. And his father told him, he says, we are Christians. We don't think that way, son. That's paraphrase, but that's ultimately what it was. And he was able to take what could have been somebody that ended up dying early in... A terroristic time. I don't it know. It could have been a Black Panther. A Black Panther. Yeah, that, that type if, of a thing. Yeah. Even though he predates that. Uh, not by much. But not by much. You're exactly right. Uh, that could have been where he went with this. Uh, and But because he stayed true to his Christian beliefs, even when he was in pain, he did something no one else could do. He many ways, In many ways, he was the Moses that led his people out. A bondage. Yeah. Well, it's proof that love is more powerful than hate. Absolutely. Boy, you nailed that really well, didn't you? That's exactly. <laughs> you yeah. can take the rest of the episode off. No, you done. can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 well. We're not going to be able to. Be honest. No, 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 no. It, we can't be lazy when we're birthing a, a dancing star. Well, that's, that's right. Exactly, we've that's learned. Right. Otherwise, we get no masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the the moment in his bio that that nailed that for him is he had a he had a white playmate as a child lived across the street and as they reached a certain age when they went to school uh he was told he can't play with anymore yeah. right because you're black and he's white that's why in in many ways children are are gosh they're such the dichotomies because on the one hand they're so innocent and pure but on the other hand they'll turn around and lie to your face like a dog well yeah but they to a child another child is just that a playmate yeah yeah you become friends yeah, no. it doesn't matter. It's un, you know until you until you let the parents or the adults start interfering with things. 
Well, that's correct. And there's there's another moment that I thought was brilliant, and this goes back to that father figure that I find so attractive about King and how he really learned so much from his father. Was they were in a shoe store? Uh, yes, I was just. Yes, you're reading that. Yes, and, and, he, and it basically said, you, you know, you got to go back to buy. And he says, we'll either buy out here or we're going to leave. And they left, and that's when. That's when King realized his father was a true father to him, and he taught him, even in adversity, the right way to be. And that formation that he received is what put him on the road, I think, A, to being a minister, for sure. Yeah. He followed in his father's footsteps. That had a lot to do with it. He was well-educated. I mean, he received... He had it. You know, he received his doctorate from Boston Boston College. No, university. university excuse me, sorry. I knew I was going to do that when I was putting all this together. I was going to say that wrong. Uh... It's it's amazing what he was able to do in a time. I don't think we realize just exactly, you know, these what seventy, eighty odd years later, yeah. th- what that life was like for him growing up where he was. It wasn't. We remember the Montgomery bus boycott, even though it was before it's ten years before we were born, mind you. But that's kind of that's the moment when something started. Uh, but before that. I mean, there was a lot of work that was done that nobody knew about. Yeah. Because it never made the papers. Well, yeah, because it, it, it was suppressed in many, in many places. Exactly. That's right. Because, because you don't want to you don't want to give publicity to those uppity you know what's well, that have been the thinking. Well, that's correct. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that J. Edgar Hoover uh he was monitored by him. He had his phones tapped by him. And this well, is Well, let's actually, give credit where credit is due. Under written directed by Bobby Kennedy. That is correct. That is right. Now, granted, Hoover was probably already doing it because he was tapping everybody. Well, still. Well, that's part of it, too. <laughs> well, but, you I mean, know, that was, yeah, that's yeah, see, what the idea was to have something on everybody. Right. That's 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 Hoover's mentality. But what I find disturbing and, and, and yet understandable is this was seen as societal change. And even the Kennedys, who supposedly are, you know, very enlightened... And I and I and I really like Bobby Kennedy a lot. We've done we've talked about him quite a bit. Even he, when it came to societal change, balked. Yeah. He's he, we're not ready for this. We're not ready for this. Is that's the mentality that's going on here. Well, and King was able to say, no, we're past ready for this. You white boys aren't. Yeah. But you don't know. You haven't lived the life yeah. I've lived. How do you know you're ready until you try? That's well. That's exactly and I think it. for somebody like Bobby Kennedy, you got to remember when he did this. This was pre-presidential run, and you know I go back to this is you know the favorite antidote of yeah. This is sixty one of, of mine for Bobby Kennedy. You know I'm no huge Kennedy apologist or fan, but I love Bobby Kennedy for one thing specifically, and that's he's touring. It's in one of the southern states below us. I think it's Mississippi, but don't quote me on that. But I, remember, I was thinking I Tennessee or Alabama or Arkansas, it's, it's, something it's one like of that. The, it's in the deep south. It's but yes, that's the thing. It's the deep south where the worst of the injustices to uh, black men and women would have happened. Yeah, and he's touring this this community, and ghetto would have been a step up by an order of magnitude. Yeah, you know, this is this is. Abject poverty. Yeah, Beyond this that. is like sharecropper plantation style housing. Uh, you know, kids running around and adults running around in bare feet. No yeah. electricity. No running water. Yeah. This is in the nineteen frickin' sixties. Yeah. When you think about that, we were alive when this That's right. was still happening. Granted, babies, but and he was truly touched, mm-hmm. and you know that probably at least partially 
is due to the influence of somebody like King. Exactly. Yes. Who was forcing white America to look at itself. It, it w- and that's what happens every time something changes for the better. Mm-hmm. You know, just as a modern example, you know, Hollywood specifically, because that's where it started, has been forced to re-examine how it treats women. Mm-hmm. And by default, the rest of society uh, has yes. followed along. Now, whether it's always been done well or not is beside the point. Something has uh, focused mm-hmm. uh, people's attention on an injustice. Uh, a sea That's change what King is taking did. place. Yes, he did he, the same thing. He forced those who had power to acknowledge that it was being misused. Mm-hmm. Not everywhere. Not everywhere, and not certainly by everyone right. was it acknowledged. But it was or, enough. But it was enough to start. <clears throat> he helped bring about, and I think this is this is how I would sum up his legacy, even though we're not at the summing it up, but I think it's a good, good point for it. He helped bring about in law, or expression, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in law, uh, what we had already idealized in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, even though the Constitution made uh, all the slaves free and citizens mm-hmm. and gave them the right to vote so that on paper they were 100% equal to any other man in in America. Right. By local law and custom, they right. certainly were not. That's right. That had to be overturned. And we still aren't 100% no, of the not. way there. But we have certainly made huge strides. Well, as Ken Burns would say, at least in law, though, and it has to start with law. It does, and that's and that's uh, it's something that North, uh, white Northern United Americans didn't quite didn't really understand. And there's a, there's another one of those moments when uh, King is in college or in, in high school. Uh, he he goes to work in Connecticut. Uh, it, it's 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 early it's early days of college. And they basically, it's like summer work. Uh, and they're in tobacco work, which is not the best work I've done. It's, no, it's not, it is not. But it was actually, he, he looks back on saying it actually went a bad job. It was you know, They were paid pretty well. They had the weekends off. the, And they were treated unbelievably different in Connecticut. Uh, whites and blacks went to the same movie theaters together. You could eat at the same restaurants. Uh, nobody, everybody smiled at you. You didn't have, you, there, there was not this distrust that was in the South. And that's one of those things that opened his eyes that saying, maybe things can be made better. Maybe what goes on down there isn't the way it's always been or the way it should be. You know, and that's not to say that everywhere in the North was like that in not Connecticut. Not at all. But that, was, but that personal but, experience of th- his yes. where he was treated right was one of those moments that kept him from becoming that Black Panther like his father. Kept him from, from turning that anger into something unproductive and, and awful. Into a force that changed the world. Yeah, you know, and that's he didn't become Anakin. Well, that's very oh, good. really? Oh, sorry. <laughs> he, he never went to the dark side. Is he that never what you're went saying? to the dark side. No, that's right. He he, 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 he he stayed with Obi Wan, and uh, that's that's well said, sir. Well you, said. Really, that's too. You can take the next episode off. No, he can't. <laughs> no, because well, no, he's captaining that one. That's exactly right. Yeah, he's got to do that. But you know, you're talking about the, the instances that show his influence during his career. Mm-hmm. Um, the anecdote that I always recall is the one from Chuck Heston's book. Right. In oh. the arena. Where, you know, the actors to a large degree, were on board. 
Yeah. And Chuck actually led yes. the delegation. In, and this in is March. in 63? 66? Yeah, yeah. The, the earlier March on Washington, 64, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah and, that's right. And Chuck's yeah. like, you know, because you had the Marlon Brando, uh, we're going to chain ourselves to the Washington Monument. That's and right. Chuck's like, nope, nope, nope. We're going to do exactly what Dr. King tells us to do. That's right. And then when they actually got to meet with Dr. King, yeah. Chuck is relating that. You know, you've got the actors on board, but these other, the trade guilds right. that are part of Hollywood, you're going to have a hard time making any influence there. Yeah. They, they, these unions are not open to just anybody. It's real, real rule structure. Yeah. Anything it's, that they see that, like, all, I, that I brings get, more people into yeah. their, into their, that threatens their power. Yeah. In, in, uh, he said, I couldn't even join, the, I'm a big star, I can't join these unions for the... Well, they very are much, uh, I don't know if you, I think you may have used the term, very much a medieval guild style. Yes, a guild style. A closed shop is what they would say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're not allowed Yeah, it's interesting. You know, some would say that Chuck and those actors coming and supporting risk nothing. In the sense that black actors were not going to suddenly start taking white jobs. Right. Trade guilds that the guilds that would have been their concern. Yeah. That's why they didn't let just anybody in them to right. begin with. Yeah. Right. They were worried about well, anybody taking well, the jobs. You know, Chuck tells him that these are very close. You're gonna have a hard time opening these up to new members, uh, to black members. And he said, Dr. King met with them, and they they opened the doors. He said it was amazing. That's that is the polished, amazing king that I think we want to make sure we do not lose because he became a amazing orator. He was giving speeches in grade school. He now, you know, he had a very he was blessed with the right baritone. He <laughs> talked about that. That and that's kind of like the sweet spot for a public speaker. If you've got a baritone, anybody can hear you and understand you well. Yeah. Uh, and that it, there's there's a, there's that's just public speaking 101. That's just one of those sweet spots. But he learned how to do this well. Now, he was a preacher, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, he learned from his father, of course. So there's uh, there's this, all this that goes back into that. Uh, and when people would hear him, even in his early days, uh, he was amazing. So the, the, the gift of, you know, it worked for Adolf Hitler too, folks. So let's just, you know, it's a, it's a blunt instrument to use what you got. Well, but, it's a blunt instrument in Adolf Hitler's hands. Yeah. But it was a finely honed and crafted sword in, 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 kings. in kings. Yes, absolutely, because he changed he changed everything with that. And uh, he was already well known in the South, in Montgomery, where he had become a pastor. Uh, he's from Atlanta. He goes back to Atlanta eventually. But he's at the right place with the right tools at the right time when the Montgomery boycott bus boycott starts that's 55 yeah and that, that's a that's the watershed that's the that's the yeah i mean that, that's the idea that we can use our economic power to affect a change here that's correct which had not been done before yeah. right and it's it's an amazingly uh, uh, uh sophisticated tactic which yes. nobody really used at that point mm -hmm. but when you realize that you know most of your writers are us and if we stop using you that's a lot of money yeah the boycott lasted for 385 days yeah you know it was not an easy thing and to be honest it wasn't the first incident there was actually right. one there was one earlier that year uh but the but the young person uh, claudette colvin she's only 15 and they said and the the, the legal backing was saying you know this is a minor 
that's not we can't we're gonna that's gonna leave us, leave us vulnerable in the law because the rules are different. But Rosa Parks herself, it was only like eight or nine, six, seven months later that she made her famous moment, and that's what they went with. They were able to, to ride that, no pun intended, uh, into a better day. Uh, because there was an, an that was that was the challenge to Jim Crow, the first time anybody had ever tried to, and because of the boycott, and Dr. King and his speaking, and the fact that he was influenced by Gandhi, with the nonviolence, there's that's the thing. That's why Chuck Heston would say to him, "No, we're going to do what Dr. King says." Yeah, because he's proven that the nonviolent protest approach can work. Because he calls attention to something that the white Americans in the North had ignored. Well, and that was also genius on Chuck's part because mm-hmm. it would have crippled the acceptance by Dr. King's movement of the outside white groups who yeah. had no real stake in it. Yeah. If they came in and tried to uh, take over the movement by doing things their own way. That's right. It would have been the ultimate in in paternalistic uh, uh, carpet bagging. Yeah, paternalistic hubris. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Uh, You know, it would have been. It just would have been the horrible way to go. But by deferring to his leadership, that also set a tone that said something. Yeah. Which you know, again, he you know, that's not all Chuck's doing. That's Chuck Heston saying. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He was arrested, King was, during the boycott. That's what pro- that's what plummeted him, or propelled him, excuse me, to national notoriety. And once that had happened, that's when his true star, that dancing star we've talked about, that's when it was fully formed. Because he, he became the leader of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which he held until his death, actually. And from there, he is able to bring about, ultimately, the 1965 Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act in 64, all of that started because of his rise. And the people followed him everywhere. I mean, the I Have a Dream speech, it started in Montgomery. But he was, because of who he was, and this is why I think he's a hero, folks, mm-hmm. this man here, we talk about loving craft. King was a master, a master orator. I mean, he, we know that from a fact. But people loved to hear him of all races. And the, the best American speaker since Lincoln. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you're exactly right. Yeah. You know, and you, Eric, the I Have a Dream speech is, is great, not just because of how he delivered it, but the essential truth yeah. that he delivers in that speech speaks to everyone even if they don't recognize it because when you say that you hope that your children grow up in a world where they are uh, recognized for the content of their character rather than the color of their skin that says something i think that that even if you don't really understand it and recognize it and you may choose to ignore it it truly is an essential truth because it speaks to what's my favorite phrase the inherent dignity dignity of the human person that's exactly right you have that you are exactly and I don't think there's much more true anything much more of anything that can be truer than that statement that, yeah that, it, it's a fun foundational human aspiration yeah. to be known for my character yes to use his words else. that's exactly right that is yes. yeah. those especially the narcissists 
that want to be known for what they do, uh, the things they clothe around them. And by do, I mean superficial things, because your character is largely what you do. But the the empty uh, uh, achievements. Pardon? Pronouns. Yes, mm-hmm. that too. Uh, I mean, if that's your concern, then you're not achieving anything. Right. Uh, You know, I I don't want to be known as this pronoun. Well, so what? Well, I mean, yeah. What's your character? Yeah, ultimately, you know, and does the law law support you in that pursuit of the dignity and sanctity of of humanity? Or is it, you know, in this case here, unjust? Because unjust laws, I mean, Jim Crow is about as unjust as you can get. Uh, that just shows those who have power will do anything to maintain it. I mean, King's house was bombed for God's sakes. Yeah. I mean, he was attacked by mm-hmm. a, a knife wielder. I mean, this that is, was a black woman though. Yes, who was crazy. Well, so yes, that's a, that's with, a with notoriety comes yes. uh, comes uh, inevitability of, of of attack. Yeah, and he has and he has plenty of this that that goes on with him. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we had talked about, we kind of glossed over, but you know, I want to. Uh, go back to this because I think this is an important thing, uh, an important truism. We talked about how uh, change like this had to be codified in law first. Yes. And I think that is so true for, and this has repercussions today that we've lost sight of. Because unless you make it painful, people are going to be selfish. Yes. And Jim Crow is one of the ultimate expressions of selfishness. I've got mine, and I don't want to give it up. That's right. You know, I'm better than you, and I don't want to give that up. And until you codify that, no, you can't do that, that it's illegal to do that, to express that in certain ways. That's right. You can say what you want. That's You can't control that. That's right. But you can't express that in certain ways. Law trumps public opinion, no matter how much we might think otherwise. And law eventually shapes public opinion. Correct. Because now that that you know yes. that the, the 1964 Civil Rights Act and its expansions have become part of the default, de facto uh, law of the land environment that yeah. we all live in, yeah. we don't really question it. I mean, there are still those that do, but you know, those are the the freaks and the well, yeah, the, it's, it's, yeah, all you know, it's 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 a fait accompli. It's done, right? And so, that's the world we live in today, for all its flaws and all its much work left to be done. At least that happened. And, you know, I think sometimes we forget that. King's mm-hmm. legacy is something we must never forget. So I want to get back to, um, so it wasn't, it wasn't quite finished, uh, what we can't lose sight of, you know, for those of us that uh, are pro-life, uh, and I'll use this term in the uh, uh, abortion arena here, as opposed to the larger uh, expansion of it, there was a lot of argument, uh, and there still is, that to get that to get uh, Roe v. Wade turned over, they're overturned. We have to change hearts and minds. It's like, well, yeah, but specifically, we got to change five out of nine hearts and minds oh. because it has to be codified into law. Yeah, law comes first. The law has to come first. If you think about um, God's relationship with His people. Yeah. Uh, the people broke the relationship. And then yes. God laid down the law, literally. Yes. And then the relationship changes back. So once you have harmed something, you need the law 
to fix that. First. A, I mean, it doesn't fix it truly, but I mean, it makes it so that you, you're not supposed to do it and you know you're not supposed to do it. And eventually, because most people are willing uh, to submit to uh, the, the social orders, part of the social contract. And that's the thing. It's become part of the social contract. That's a good way to put it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And until you know, anything that requires major, especially moral issues that require major changes, require law first. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you're just arguing at each other. Well, slavery is a great example, too. You're not going to change the hearts and minds until you've changed the law first. Yeah, you have it, to it, take I mean, away And the war proved slavery. that. Yeah. That's right. You have to be able to implement your law first, and then you change the hearts and minds. Yeah. To, to That's why we have things like uh, you know, uh, Title IX in civil rights law, mm-hmm. which is about equality in sports, uh, you know, access uh, for boys and girls. Because before, girls didn't get sports. They could be cheerleaders, and that was it. Now softball you have softball. Yeah. Well, if you had that, yeah, at best. Um, and you know, now it's still tilted, obviously, but there is better access now. We have professional women's leagues in certain th- certain sports, um, and it's all because the law changed first. Now, sometimes the law over oversteps what it can change or should change at any one time. I, mean, I don't know that you can change everything perfectly at once. Yeah, uh, but. You know, we make our fits and starts towards perfection. We all do as human beings as well as countries. Yeah. yeah. And he helped take huge steps mm-hmm. towards that perfection. Well, there's Even also, though we didn't get there yet. Right. And there's a rise in federalism here uh, that was uh, probably inevitable. Uh, that started with the Civil War, but it's it's here. Uh, and that's kind well, of... It really took off with World War Two, but yeah. It did. But in this case here, it's to the point where your, your state doesn't get to enact unjust laws just because they can right federal law has to supersede state law it, it otherwise these sort of things would where they're in conflict yes well that's correct yeah exactly uh, um and that's there are many people that bristle at that uh it's a very common discussion even today that well to be fair uh, constitutionally you have to jump through some hoops mm-hmm. for the federal government to be able to do a lot of what it does correct now, some of that is legitimately done under the Commerce Clause. Right. Uh, and, you know, you can define commerce in really <laughs> stretched <laughs> ways. Uh, but it's fair to say that the principle of the Commerce Clause and <coughs> that anything that affects uh, more than one state or things that cross state lines is something that can be adjudicated by the federal government mm. uh, and or regulated. Yeah. So, you know, that, some of that is fair. And that's why I think, you know, you need federal movement on something like this because that's exactly it. That's why everything I'm, that's was so systemic. That. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. I mean, it was uh, uh, Fugitive Slave Laws was just another iteration of it 150 years before that. Uh, that was an easy one because it's obviously crossing state lines. Right. And the Civil War changed our notion of how we, we envisioned the country to begin with. So that's exactly it, right. it set the stage for a lot of good, even though a lot of pain also came out of it. Uh, you know, for the next hundred years, just you know, would you take a hundred years of being uh, under Jim Crow laws and being "quote unquote" free, or would you take the next hundred years as being a slave? I mean, you know, obviously, I would yeah, think uh, you would rather be free because you could, you know, you wouldn't have yeah, had some of the opportunities for the people well, who did it, be able to take advantage. Well, I mean, uh, Martin's uh, talked about this momentum, a lot. you know, and it's it, momentum. It, yeah, it starts you in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. You talked about how, uh, in many respects, the domestic terrorism that Grant fought during Reconstruction was an attempt to overturn 
uh, a verdict they didn't like. Jim Crow is the same thing. It is. Just, yes. It's a different battlefield. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, You're exactly right. And it's yeah. that's it, it, by God we're going to have it our way. Yeah. Well, sooner or later it takes heroes like Dr. King to say, "Oh no, you're not," because one of the great the genius of King, and he had the right tools with his oratorial skills and his courage to do this. Because you know he's arrested uh, in Atlanta, uh, and he because of a sit-in in Montgomery. He's, he's arrested multiple lot, times. Multiple Birmingham, places. Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham. We can talk all over the place. Sent to maximum security sometime because of, through the state system, because of who he is and where he, and his national notoriety, the people elsewhere realize what just what the hell are they doing down there, and that's what leads to the groundswell of support. The Kennedy and Johnson administration say, "You, we need to fix this. Yeah. This is obviously wrong," and it it pulls the mask of ignorance off the rest of the nation, saying, "Wait a minute, you know, we fought a war. We thought it was fixed. Ignorance, of course." Well, part of the problem with the rest of the country was that there were so few black people living other places than the South. Percentage wise, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yes, I mean there were exceptions, and yeah. certainly, you know. Uh, a lot of uh, black folks went north uh, in the 50s. Yeah, to uh, escape to work, that. Yeah, in Detroit. Yeah, that's how Detroit, Detroit ended up. Yeah. work, yeah. yeah. Uh, ended up with such a large population. Yeah. Uh, and it is... One of the things that... Uh, uh, about the, the changing of the Civil War, how we view things. Yeah. The federal government, one of the primary roles I think it is acceptable for it to have is to correct these massive immoral yeah. imbalances. That's exactly where I was level. trying to go. That's exactly and where I was trying to go. That was unheard of before. While we can all scream states' rights, states' rights, the rights of the state end at the uh, imposition of evil. Common good. Yeah, well, sometimes the common good also comes, you know, yeah. the greatest good for the greatest number of people is a very... Uh, inhumane and uh, uh, immoral way to do things as Thank well. Thank you, John Stuart Mill. Yeah, we yeah we, we have a rail against John Stuart Mill someday yeah. in the future. Because exactly. when you start quantifying the good, you're screwing over somebody. That's correct. Because you're saying is it it is acceptable for this evil to occur so yes. that this good can happen. For these in power to dominate those without. And I mean, as Catholic social teaching and theology will tell you, you cannot do evil so that good may come of it. That's right. Well, so the greatest good for the greatest people is inherently immoral. Lincoln rejected that from the beginning. I mean, my goodness, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the things he was on record for all over the place. Listen to him and that vile racist, I've been wanting to use that term, by the way, because that's one of Martin's favorite words. <laughs> uh, uh, Stephen Douglas yeah, uh, he's. Uh, I'm sure we can talk a lot about other vile racists, but because uh, they were out there, they were everywhere. They still are, unfortunately. And unfortunately, still are. Yes, but that's changing. Some. It's got to. That's be. changed a lot. It's changed a lot. I, I mean, mean, you know, and I King think about the that. interaction of our parents with their friends, our uncles, aunts, and uh, society at large. Things that people said 50 years ago, absolutely, they can't say today. No. Things people did 50 years ago, they can't do today. Yeah. Things that people thought 50 years ago, they may still think, but very, very it, it's becoming a much smaller percentage. I, say, I think that's that's changed too. A lot, most people don't. I think we we've, we've we've matured a little bit to recognize this is wrong. It was always wrong. We should know better, and it takes the generational yeah. changes. 
to kind of get yeah. that out. I've often said that we're going to do an episode on Generation X coming up here. It's one of the things we've learned is racism is one of those things that our generation helped change because we're post-Civil Rights Act. We had the benefit of law at our backs to recognize, wait a minute, we just we don't talk that way. Right. We, we don't do that. Our grandparents would have used racial epithets and thought nothing of it. We recognize it as wrong. Our, and we taught our children, our, our children would never conceive of such a thing. Right. So we are, in many respects, the, the change, and it's because of the work of Dr. King and when, he, when, when the law changed. And it's because he had the ability, I think, to take the National Forum that he somehow developed and show, pull the mask off again to show exactly what was going on. And there were powerful forces allayed against him, as ultimate, and ultimately, they, some, some might say they even prevailed. Uh, the joke, I think, is on them, because I think King's legacy, uh, because you know, after his death, um, he could do no wrong because of his martyrdom, in many respects. Now, that's not fair. That's not true. No. But that's the way our human minds work. I mean, because for all, because King was a flawed man at times. He actually tried to commit suicide twice as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, that shows his sensitivity because he thought he'd harmed his grandmother, whom he loved. Uh, and he actually jumped out of a second-story window. Twice he Ooh. survived. Because, and his father talked to him about it afterwards, saying, you know, that's not what you're supposed to do here. That shows a sensitivity and a compassion of the man for others, which you couldn't do what he did without that. Mm-hmm. So in many respects, that which made him sensitive and that which made him compassionate is also what enabled him to be strong. See, there's a little dichotomy there. Well, when you... We've talked about this sort of thing before, but when you are speaking what is truth, what they would call then and now truth to power, um, I think that... <laughs> there's Nietzsche that, again. Well, you know, the way it's used nowadays, I think, is a little sanctimonious. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's hugely sanctimonious. But... But when you are speaking things that are fundamentally uh, and not just in somebody's opinion, but actually true, uh, there is, it's attractive. Uh, now, granted, it's not going to be attractive to everybody because there are some people that, you know, want to hold on to their, their view of things, whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. But when you speak what is true, you tap into something bigger than yourself, especially on these kinds of issues. And I think that's part of what uh, makes somebody like him uh, so magnetic and that he attracts so many. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that yeah. what he said was true on yeah. a literal sense, not just a figurative sense, not just a this is my opinion. And that's essential. You can't codify successfully, uh, permanently, what is not true. And... You know, changing hearts and minds and all that is all well and good, but you also, one of the reasons why that people uh, railed against and why it was eventually changed is because the ideas that Jim Crow laws and slavery itself and everything else were predicated on were just patently false. Correct. And generally speaking, what is false can last for a long time, but you know, ultimately we believe yeah. that it will fall. It has to. Mm-hmm. It ultimately, you're exactly right. Because let's face it, they had a, they had generations worth of propaganda uh, to support all that. Yeah. And it was people like King at the right time who noticed, especially like let's say when he went to Connecticut. Holy, well, this is not the world. Isn't this way? Right. And it and more to the point from there, it must not be this way. 
And that's, I mean, my Lord, how many times did he go to jail? Uh, how many of the, just in, in Birmingham alone? I mean, re, if, if you haven't read his works, listener, the beauty of it is so much of it is documented. It's, uh, he, he's, it's, I mean, he had reams and reams and reams of paper that he has written, uh, uh books about him, uh, just, I drink, Letters from Birmingham Jail. That's that's what that's uh, what I'm especially trying. Especially he he wrote to the outside world from the jail cell. That's exactly right. See, just uh, it, ironically, that which they tried to stop by their actions is ultimately what enabled him to succeed and bring yeah. those actions changing about. Yeah. Because of of what they did, and it's it's somewhat it's people don't people recognize injustice, like you said. Robert, we we recognize that it's it's not right and it can't stand. Right, it doesn't happen fast all the time. No, but it will at some point. Sometimes it takes one man, with a one vision. man with a vision. vision. That's correct. That's right. Have a little faith, baby. Have, Have a, little a little faith. faith. That's that is exactly well, right. Gentlemen, I, I want to pause for a moment as we uh, have returned. You... Give me a little splash, would you? Yes, sir, sir. We have returned to one of our favorites. Yes, yes. It's been a while since we've had this one. Yeah. We're pouring a little Woodford Double Oaked right here. Yep, that's good. Oh, sorry, it's all right. Just need enough for the toast. Oh, yes, exactly. Because I presume Martin is about to do what I was going to suggest, which is a toast. Well, I'll, I'll let you take it. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no. no I, I actually was not going to toast. But oh, okay. I, I, just, right, right, right. I just wanted to discuss the Woodford Double Oak. Well, yeah, we do need to do that. Yeah, it's just, uh, just Again, time. complex flavor. Very mellow, very smooth. Again, that dark, super dark, almost cola-like color. Um, glorious dark honey amber to it. There's a power to this one. Very, very latent and yet... It's a little short. Yes. But it's certainly not overpowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it works well. The, the, the caramel is in the smell, not the taste. Although it's a little bit in there. Mm. But it is so super complex. Yeah. This is this is my go-to favorite. It still is. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I like is... the others. Uh, I'm actually out at home. I need to get a new bottle. But I have uh, several bottles still. It's kind of hard to justify say, going and getting yet another bottle of yes, bourbon. Uh, I, I just cracked this one. It's a fresh crack. I've been doing yes. that lately for you guys because you're that important. Yes, right. we're we're back today, uh, recording at the Baxter Building mm-hmm. Studio F. Yep. So we didn't talk about this early on, um, but. Uh, this episode, you know, even though we don't record it the same day, obviously, because they drop first thing in the morning, yeah. uh, this is dropping on January 15th, third right. Friday. Mm-hmm. That is Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Mm-hmm. So, happy birthday to... The great Dr. King. Shall we raise our glass? May his legacy always remain not just important, but effective and inspirational. May he continue to change the world as he's done so many times in the past. Always for the better. Gentlemen, to Dr. King. There we go. That's right. Thoughts, final thoughts, gentlemen. I mean, uh, I'm not going to go into the assassination. Uh, The legacy we've talked about, uh, we're beneficiaries of the legacy just by our age. We don't really remember the time before that, although I was three. It was that, and of course, it's only just a few weeks apart from Robert Kennedy's assassination. I remember the the tumult in the house. I'm surprised you remember any of it. Well, I mean, no, I don't remember the events, but I do remember that. 60, no, I mean, even, 68 even was a very 
strange year in many ways. And you can kind of remember things weren't... You can, when your parents are upset, even at that age, you, as an empath, you kind of pick up some of that, that, yeah, something's not right here. And looking back on it now, yeah, Dr. King and then, Mar then Robert Kennedy and all the, everything else that went on, went on in 68. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those years. But you guys are teensy-weensy a bit younger than me. And that may have been all it took. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we're just two. Yeah. Right, you're not going to remember that. I, was, I had just enough memory. We were not, still pooping in my pants. Yeah, not even quite I, I, I'm presuming I was not pooping in the pants at that time. So, uh, Eight, yeah, I mean, we're 18 months, roughly, thereabouts. Yeah, no, there's, there's no way that you remember months. that. But, well, also, and, and here's, here's a reason for me to remember 68, is because we moved from one house to another in that same year. We built a house. So those are things a small child remembers, and I remember enough of that hmm. to, that goes on. I, I, I get it. I'm blessed. My, my sisters think I'm weird. Either that or he thinks he remembers things. Because uh, that's certainly possible, but it is it is your memory. It is. I that's mean, right. Who's to say? Uh, if I'm, we I'm, all stood on there are certain moments. three corners of an intersection watching an accident, none of us would have the same right. story. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know that. I mean... Witnesses are inherently unreliable. It's, yeah, well, it's a very Nietzschean thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, but, it, you know, it's impossible for us to truly grasp the significance because we don't and never have and almost likely never will experience that kind of oppression. Certainly not in this country. We could go to another country, but it would still be a different kind of oppression mm -hmm. um, that was just part and parcel of the, the world that Dr. King grew up in. And, you know, we can't even really fully understand what still goes on, you, you know, intellectually, but we can't understand the emotional impact yeah. uh, of what drove him. We can, like I said, we can understand it intellectually how that could happen, but, yeah. uh, you know, to have that kind of, of dissatisfaction, which is such a mild word yeah. uh, for the system that, that you essentially devote your life uh, in addition to you know, what you're already doing, mm -hmm. yeah, because his work did not end in '64. Right. You know, it did not. He was. I mean, there's so many. Well, there's still he, so much to do after that. There, yeah, but even so, there was other. I mean, when he was killed, he was working on what's called the Poor People's Campaign to address issues of economic injustice everywhere. And that, yeah, it was. It was primarily in the black community, but it wasn't meant to be just that. I mean, it. Uh, there are those that accuse King of being a communist. That's not true. Uh, he was not that at all. That's an attempt at a smear campaign. Uh, that's a little bit of Hoover, uh, because yeah. Hoover saw them. Uh, under, Everybody was a communist I mean, to Hoover. Exactly. If you didn't agree, you know that's right. Uh, nevertheless, he's looking to try the systemic injustices that we still deal with today. He was working on and saw as problems in '68, and was working to try and fix them then. Yeah, I think you could make a very good argument that he had already moved on to the next phase of the the fight. Right, that's right. Uh, even though we really had, I wouldn't say we necessarily stopped, but we lost, or they, however you want to put it, lost the 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 focal point, the 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 speaker for for that fight. You know, what could he have done with his oratorical skills and his focus? Because he he nails what it was after. I mean, Bob, it's what Bobby Kennedy saw. Right. You know, right around that time is uh, that we need to do something about this massive levels of poverty that's going on in the United States at this time. Now, uh, and this is this is post Great Society, right. remind you. Mm -hmm. So yep. 
that which you know and granted it's 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 not really post because it's it's, 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 it's about the same it's around yeah, because that time great society doesn't start until you know in mid 60s yeah but this is 68 so it's, it's yeah it's, so it's, i mean this is really only two years two two to three years into that's correct implementing that right we're it, not really that far it's into hard it. To, it, it but still that's what the great society was supposed to correct that's correct what, that's right uh it did not it did not that's correct uh, but you know, I don't know that a government program will ever totally fix anything. No, not like except unemployment of government workers. <laughs> Very well put, sir. I thought I was waiting for a, a sharp quip there. Yeah. Well, not everybody who works for the government is non-essential, right? Um, but I'd be willing to bet there's a few. Mm-hmm. I'd say you're right. And uh, how you know how do you do some of these things uh, without his vision? Without his voice. I don't want to yeah. say his vision, because his vision was there. Right. What, uh, there are many who have, have worked hard to carry that on. It's, it's nearly horrific to think, what would the country look like without somebody like him? Well, that's right. Coming along when he did. That's correct. I don't know that the... Because of and those that came was, after him were really pale imitations. They were. And, that's, and maybe that's why he's such a hero, is because nobody was as good as he was. Yeah. Nobody had the abilities that he had. And... and I don't want to lay that all out to talent, and I don't want to lay that all out to background. It's something more than that. Call it a divine spark if you want to, but he was, I mean, that image well, of Moses I used originally. He has a, he, well, to, to talk, to reach back to our, reach back, not reach okay, around. Absolutely. To our last episode, it's a difference between a masterpiece and a stick figure. Yeah. He was creating a masterpiece, or attempting to. We oh, did. In many and, ways. May have been unfinished, but it was. And not that I'm trying to be unfair to to those who picked up the fight, but I don't think they had the same grandiose masterpiece in mind. And I use grandiose in a positive, positive sense. Yeah. Well, we're actually going to be doing next month. We're going to be talking about other heroes of the civil rights movement to try to give them some of their yeah. due, because you know King will be would be the first to say, you know, I didn't do this alone. Right. Right. He, he may have been uh, the face and the voice that we all knew, and he was, you know, unrepeatable and, you know, no one was like him. But it took many hands and voices on all sides and of all colors to accomplish what he accomplished. Uh, that's something that could have continued on for many more years mm-hmm. without his work. Right. And... You know, as we said, I don't, I don't his think, work I don't was think Jim incomplete. Crow's fall is inevitable. I do, I do not think it was. Well, I don't know. I think, I think it probably is inevitable, but how long that takes? Well, that's, that's, that's because kind of I mean, if if the fall of slavery is inevitable, then I think Jim Crow ending is inevitable. Yes, yes, you're of course you're right about that because as you said earlier, you know we recognize the evil when we see it, Un- right. injustice. We'll say and that. the question is, you know. Who is willing to lead that fight against the injustice? And, and who is who is as well equipped as he was to do right. that? Because there would have been, could have been others who tried, and there were, but he was he was truly the best. He really was. Yep. Well, April 9th, nineteen sixty eight, Memphis, Tennessee. Yep. Keep that in mind. Um, so it's it's an important date. I almost think the holiday should really be then and not on his birthday. <sighs> That's and it's technically talk. not even on his birthday because of the whole Monday yeah, thing. Right, well, yeah. you know, bureaucracy sometimes wins. Yeah. 
but uh, well, no, I just no, we don't celebrate we don't celebrate his death. We celebrate his life. That's why it's done yeah. that way. Well, it's not really that different though than in the church. Uh, most often, saints' feast days are on their death days, not their. Uh, You're celebrating the martyrdom. Well, not so, always. Not always. Sometimes that's all we know. Most time they're dead. Their well, birthdays are obscure. There is that. Yes, yeah. but in in modern times we have a choice. Uh, we we because because of, it's the life that he led and the and what he did yeah. and who he was you know I don't want to lose sight of that uh, I think it's not about what you accomplish in this life but it's who you are it's dignity and sanctity of all human life uh, and he is a model he's a hero for all the well, right reasons yeah I used this in a, the, a homily not that long ago um, about uh, identity is far more important uh, to us than we than we realize. Um, when we talk about the you know, when we talk about God and the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is who God is, not the, pardon my French, piss poor formulation of Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier. That tells us what God does. That's right. And it doesn't tell us, and only in relationship to us. That's correct. That doesn't it, tell us it, anything it, it, about it God a, Himself. A gross limitation. Exactly. Which is unfair in all levels. Exactly. So, you know, who people are is far more important than what they do. What they do is formed by who they are, not the other yeah. way around. Yeah. Even Bono got this one. Pride in the name of love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, it's for Dr. Martin Luther King. That's yeah. Well, Francis, that's pretty tremendous, bro. You did a great job. Well, What's next? We couldn't possibly do justice to the man, but we, no, we did, but... Our, our, did our very darn very best. Uh, we're going to go to another doctor, believe Ooh. it or not. Yes. <laughs> Which one? Uh, there's 14 of them, actually. <laughs> uh, doctor Who? Yes, that's correct. This was something that I cannot believe took us so long to actually get around to doing. And it was Martin that said, what do you mean we've not done a Doctor Who episode? Yeah, it's been like episode 10 or 11, not uh, 86. Uh, yeah, 86, exactly right. So it's something that we're going to talk about. We're, we're changing up a little format. Martin's going to captain, but he's doing that to restrain Robert and I. So we can kind of keep this darn thing to an hour. Uh, or, 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 or I mean, yeah, right. Sure, <laughs> I'm the hey, optimist. Miracles too. happen. Uh, this is true. This is very true. Uh, we're going to talk Doctor Who. We love it. It's one of the greatest science fiction shows ever. And this is from a Star Trek fan, folks. Uh, some of the stories and the concepts and the performances and all the stuff that we've gotten. This is both old classic, they call it, and the new. All of the above that goes in there. We're going to talk about that next episode. You're going to love it. Please join us. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.